back to another all-new edition of the Calgary Stampeder podcast. I'm Dave Rowe. And I'm Jock Wilson. And together we are going to be talking about CFL 2.0. That mm-hmm. was the World Game Initiative that was first announced by Commissioner Randy Ambrosi in the offseason. And it's been a, a pretty bold series of steps by uh, the commissioner, uh, signing agreements with football leagues around the world to uh, cooperate uh, and exchange, going out and setting up scouting combines, uh, having a draft of international players and now having world players yeah. on the roster. So we're now 12 games into the season, Jock. And uh, I mean, it, it's still, I think, in the early days of this yeah. program. But what? let's start off with you. What are your overall impressions? Well, you know, hey, anytime you're trying to grow the game globally, I am not going to say it's it's a fail. Because I, I, I'm not going to jump right up and say it's a great pass either, you know. So I'm sort of riding the fence on it. I, I I love the vision. I love what Randy Ambrosi was trying to do. Love the fact that it could open the door for some youth sports athletes to go, you know, to Europe as well and and help grow the game, you know, in in Europe. But I will say this: I, I think they made mistakes. And I think they tried to fast-track this a little too quickly, trying to get these global players onto a roster without really thinking about it. And I love the fact, you know, that, you know, yes, you've got, you know, players like Salgado and Robo here in Calgary, you know, with the opportunity, but do they deserve to be on the field? Do they deserve to be getting a full paycheck? And as Dave Dickinson told me on Sports Talk with Jock, they didn't really think it through because, you know, to get that global player on the field you got to take off an American player. That just doesn't make a lot of sense from a football perspective. I would have loved to have seen them basically go, you know, give them a practice roster spot. Let them learn the game. You know, a guaranteed practice roster spot, maybe even with a little extra money, you know, to, to, to make it a little more easy for them, have them grow, and then year two, maybe, okay, now you're on the roster, but they got to grow, grow the global, global game. So, you know, I, I guess, you know, they, they tried to ram it down the throats of the teams and the organizations without really putting a real thought process into it. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I mean, I'm, I'm in the camp of... I generally like the idea. I, I like the vision. I like the fact that mm-hmm. Randy Ambrosi wants to be out there and be a front runner. Why leave the rest of the world to the NFL as as has been done in the past? You know, why not export the CFL game and the CFL vision? And you know, in terms of overall cost, for one thing, because everything in the CFL comes down to cost. I don't think it's been a big expense so far. I mean, you know, the cost of you know some plane tickets and hotels, largely mm-hmm. to make these trips to uh, to Europe uh, down down to Mexico. It's not like they're spending a massive amount of money on this and you're starting to see you know some metrics that are associated with you're starting to see some merchandise sales you mm-hmm. know particularly down in mexico so, you know, some, you're, some you're downloads seeing, as well on yeah, internet yep. downloads a uh, social media activity and again it gets attention to the cfl game i love the vision of having you sport athletes having another place to uh, to play because mm-hmm. as i've always said I just don't think that the U-sport athlete coming into the Canadian Football League gets an entirely fair shake, uh, particularly the guys a little further down the draft ladder. You know, your your first and second round draft choices are going to get their shots, but if you're a guy a little bit further down the list, you know, quite frankly, uh, after you've had your, your four years of university, and you still have a year of university eligibility left, mm-hmm. I don't know that you're ready to compete with guys who have been, th- been through a full NCAA program and you know, two years, three years, however many years of experience uh, in the NFL or in, in NFL camps. I just don't see that as a level playing field. So, so when do you think we're going to see the first CFL game played either in Europe 
are in Mexico? Because that's going to be the next step, is it not? Yeah. You know, it's one thing to have, you know, the, the global camps and bring your management team down and have a global draft. But I guess if you really want to expose the product, and, and this would be a little risky, but I think you got to take the game there and you got to play the Canadian. The NFL is already doing it, yep. and they, they seem to be having some success with it. I wonder how the Canadian game would, would play if you went to Mexico City and played a game or if you, you went to London, England and played a game. I, you know, it would be some expense involved, but that's the next logical step, is it not? Yeah, I mean, I, I'd agree. I mean, probably, uh, I'd probably look at Mexico, I think, before I'd look at Europe, simply because, you know, the, the majority of the world guys on rosters right now are mm. out of Mexico. I mean, also, you've got the proximity of travel here. If I was going to go to Europe, I think maybe I'd look at uh, look at a place like Germany, because okay. I mean, that was one of the big surprises of this whole enterprise, was finding out just, you know, how big football is right, right. In, uh, in, in a place like Germany, I think there's a there's an opportunity there, and uh, just you know, again the idea of getting the CFL game out there. There's a logistical thing, the size of the field. Uh, you know, someone suggested that just to keep the big end zones, which I think are a key part of the CFL, mm-hmm. you shorten the the actual field down to a hundred yards. You know, keep the width, keep the big end zones. That might be that something. Sounds like that an NFL preseason game in Winnipeg, for God's yeah. sake. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We all know how well, we all know how well that went. Yeah. Oh, by the way, and don't rip people off uh, for admission. <laughs> yeah, to, exactly. Uh, to, to get uh, get into the game, but I I'm I'm for this. Even the fact that uh, you know, yeah, I, I agree with you that it was a bit of a fast track to get guys onto rosters this mm-hmm. year, but. I mean, it is, it's a roster spot that previously didn't exist. You know, you were dressing 44. Right. Now you're dressing 45, one of which is the world guy. And you still have a 46 guy who's getting paid not being dressed. That but makes no that, sense. Yeah, that's that's another topic for uh, for another day. So, I, you know, I can't see how yeah. you're taking things away from it. But you're also, and, and I think also, if you're going to add some legitimacy to this, that you have to have guys on, on the roster. You have to have guys yeah. on the field as opposed to, you know, here's our token German yeah. guy who shows up at practice and brings the water buckets. Yeah, but I, I really do believe year one, if you would have just, you know, had a had a global player on a practice roster, you know, worst case scenario, he gets on the, the 46 or 45-man roster because, you know, you have some depth issues. They learn the Canadian game. They they learn, you know, a little bit more. They learn how the system, because, you know, even, even as you know, with most CFL organizations, they bring these guys in and, and you start on the practice roster and then you've got, you know, unless you're a Canadian kid coming out of U Sports, you don't really understand the game. So I, I, I just wish they would have gone that route as well and then maybe year two and then we really have a game plan. And, you know, hey, if it really starts to work, then you can increase it to, to have two global guys on and, and dress and pay all 46 uh, or, you know, even expand your rosters a, a little bit more. Because right now, which global player in the Canadian Football League has, has made an impact. You know, odd time you see them on special teams, but you certainly, you know, especially when you got to replace an American, you're, you're not seeing global guys really, really have an impact in the Canadian Football League this year. But again, you have to start somewhere. I mean, remember, yep. you yep. and I are both old enough to remember when Inga Hammerstrom and Boria Salming came <laughs> over to play with the Toronto Maple Leafs. You know, people thought it was a big joke. I mean, we just, we'd only just admitted yeah. that the Russians were actually pretty good at hockey and that someone besides, you know, you Canadian. Know, could play hockey you and look at the way you know look at what's happened to the NHL I mean mm-hmm. a league that back then was overwhelmingly Canadian is now below 50 percent Canadian league. because it is a, yeah. it is a global game it is a global sport and you know I'm saying football can do that too because again you know we've heard it here it, it's not a crisis yet but numbers in football here are starting to drop mm-hmm. a little bit there's mm-hmm. there's concerns uh, there's there's options out there and if you grow your talent base, 
you just continue to to grow your sport. And I'm saying that that star is going to come along. Look, even if if you redesignated, and I think this is something that's going to happen in the next few years. Uh, I'm I'm looking at guys like uh, Doc Kasama, who played at the University of Calgary. He was from Sweden, but uh, he couldn't get himself classified as a national, and and as such, just couldn't get a fit to play in the Canadian Football League. Uh, you know, a guy like Boris Beatty, kicker in Montreal, or even Rene Paredes. Mm-hmm. You know, you could. Mm-hmm. You know, these guys could be classified as world players, perhaps down perhaps down the line. Maybe that's the way to go. But again, I'm for this. I admire the vision. Uh, you know, and, and again, I'm looking into the crystal ball here now. And, and let's say this becomes a huge success in 20, 25, 30 years even. And, and do we see like a, a division in Mexico where they start their own, you know, league with Canadian rules and you have like four or five teams in Mexico and then all of a sudden they have their own league and there, there's some, some interdivision games down the road. I guess that could be a possibility. Maybe you could have a, you know, a, a teams in Europe as well, and they play their own. You know, I don't think you want to be flying, you know, cross country to play. You know, if you're the Calgary Stampeders or flying into Mexico, you know, for, for those types of games. We've already seen the American expansion a number yeah. of years ago. That was a complete disaster. But I could see, you know, maybe, you know, if you could get a league of, you know, American football or at least Canadian football in Mexico or in Europe, that would be great because we know soccer is huge over there. We know rugby's huge over there. Um, you know. Could 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 this game get traction in those countries? And I think that's ultimately the end game, is it not? As the old saying goes, you will not score on 100% of the shots you do not take. Right. And Randy Ambrosi and the CFL are taking that shot. Hey, to get a different perspective on how this thing's going, let's talk to a guy who is inside of this. Uh, I caught up with Andreas Salgado, the world player who's been on the roster most for the Calgary Stampeders. <laughs> Andreas, first, let's start uh, back when when this whole thing began. You know, how did you hear about the CFL being interested in becoming a, a world league? And, you know, what made you decide to give it a shot? Well, I knew the CFL was a big league. It's the second biggest league of football in the world. And they work uh, with our Mexican Pro League, the LFA. And they work together and deal for some players to have a tryout back in January and get their shot to make a team in the CFL. When you went to that camp, what was your expectation? I mean, did you, did you just want to see how you stacked up, see what the experience is like, or were you determined that this is where you were going to end up? No, I was determined. It was a great opportunity for me to continue to play at a higher level, to learn more football, to learn more new stuff. And it was just a, a great shot, a great opportunity that was put in my path, and I needed to take advantage of it. And growing up, I mean, I guess uh, you can't avoid football, even like down in Mexico. You get the big NFL wave all over you. Is this a, is this a sport that you've loved all your life? Yeah, I do. It's, uh, it's Football is my passion. Uh, I haven't been playing it for a long time. Uh, I started when I playing. Re- I was I started playing really late. I was 18, 19 years old. Mm-hmm. So it's been almost eight, nine years playing. Uh, so most of my teammates have been playing for 20 plus years or something. Mm-hmm. But every every single day since day one, I started in football. I love it. How did uh, everybody in the league down there, when you guys were talking about this, I mean, how was it received? Was there a, like a lot of skepticism about, you know, just wondering sort of how real an opportunity it was? Or, you know, was the CFL open and upfront about uh, exactly what was going on? Uh, I don't know about other players, Mexican players. Personally, for me, uh, I know it's a big shot, a big opportunity for us as players to prove ourselves that we have a good football, a good level of football in Mexico. And we knew it was going to be a grind, it's going to be a tough shot because you have players that have NFL experience up here in Canada and Canadian Center 
are so good and you're pl competing against global players for a roster spot. So at the end of the day, it's, uh, it's a job and you need, to, you need to fight for it and you want to keep it. When you got to training camp, how was that experience? Again, coming to camp with professionals, guys who've been making a living doing this, was a little overwhelming at first? At first it was because I honestly never had a practice at that level. So I was just trying to learn what the pro athletes do at this level. How do they take care of their body? How are their pre pre-workout routines or their habits and try to copy. I try to follow Reggie's Begleton routine workout because I think he's a great receiver. Uh, just trying to learn how they take care after practice getting the ice tops and the the Normatex and all that of taking care of the bodies. And what what was that experience like the first time when you got out for a play on the big field, lights on, game time? Do you even remember it? Is it just a blur? <laughs> no, I actually I was I was really nervous. I was just so excited to be in the field and be able to to fight with my teammates alongside my teammates and try to get that uh, win every day, a week in and week out. And I just felt honestly felt. I've been. Uh, I'm used to be playing in front of huge crowds back in Mexico. So, I, for me, when I get on the field, at first I'm so nervous. But once the football is snapped, I completely forget about it. I'm just locking my job. How's your adjustment been? I mean, I've seen you out there on special teams. Seen you get to you know the odd rep on on offense. There is that comfort level just growing. It's growing. It's growing week in week out. Uh, just need to learn everything you do. Everything your new assignment every week. They're throwing new stuff at us, and you you just need to. Embrace the challenge and just be ready when your when your number is called. Are you focusing now just on, on being a football player? Are you thinking at all about, I guess, the ambassador side of the role? You know, the fact that you know you're brought in to help grow this as a world game. You know, to be a role model for you know for other kids back uh, back in Mexico or, or elsewhere. Uh, I always try to be humble. I always try to help out people that ask me or reach for me back in Mexico. Uh, have little youth football players that I used to coach that have been texting me a lot trying to teach them what I've learned so far but as of me as of me right now I, I, I'm trying to looking for playing here another year just need to prepare better and with uh, the other world players around the league I mean do you guys stay in touch uh, you talk to these guys when they're in town just to see what they're going through yeah when they came in when they come to town uh, we talk to them and I hang out with some receiver the Ottawa receiver Guillermo Villalobos and we go, when we go to Winnipeg uh, Guillermo knows the players over there, so we keep in touch. We have a WhatsApp group, so that's why we keep in touch. Hey, back in the day, we used to think that uh, Canadians were the only people that could play hockey, you know, and now uh, Canadians and Americans think that they have all the inside track on football. Uh, do you see this growing? Do you see this becoming truly a world game with initiatives like what the CFL is doing? I think it will. I think it will. There, uh, as I tell you uh, before, there's a lot of talent in Mexico. I think a lot of players can play here. You just got to be willing to to put in the grind and sacrifice because it's, it's a tough league to compete in here. We practice every day. It's really, really tough. Honestly, I don't think we're used to it, but we can adjust to it. So if you want it bad enough, you can make it. Would you, I mean, would, would it be a big honor for you, say in five, six years, some young kid comes up to you and says, I watched you go up to the CFL and you were the role model. You were, you were the reason that I'm, get, that I'm getting where I am. Uh, of course it will be so, such a huge honor to be an inspiration for some Mexican young players to reach their dreams of playing in the CFL. Andres Salgado, world player out of Mexico for the Calgary Stampeders. Well, that's about all the time we have this time around, Jocko. Hey, in 10, 15 years, you and I will probably be retired, but we could see a world player be named the most outstanding player in the Canadian Football League. For the uh -huh. Mexico City Rough Riders. <laughs>
of the Canadian wow. Football League. You know, we'll be uh, we'll be cheering from our couches. I think exactly as long as we're not cheering from our urns. But uh, <laughs> hey, it's a long term investment. Good on the Canadian Football League for giving it a shot, and uh, let's just see where it goes from here. Where we go from here is getting ready for another Calgary Stampeder podcast that'll be dropping next Thursday. Hey, let us know what you like. Drop mm-hmm. us a line. Give us a rating. Drop us some story ideas. Let us know what you want to hear on the Calgary Stampeder podcast. And just remember, you can get this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I love it. Uh, you know, good good chat today, Dave, and uh, we'll do it again next week. He's Jock Wilson. I'm Dave Rowe, and this has been the Calgary Stampeder podcast.